You're listening to the Some Other Useless Podcast with Richard Wickend. And no, I don't get paid to do this. And if I ever find out that Richard Wigan is getting really popular and making a whole lot of money on this podcast and I'm still not going to get paid, I will track him down and I will sue him. Yes, hello. Yeah, thank, thanks for that. Uh, I am Richard Wigan and this is the Some Other Uses Podcast. And the kind of person I've always been, even if I do free projects, projects that don't make money, projects that don't cost money, um, when I was doing a web series years ago called Curvy Vampirism, I just had my family help me. My sister, Rosella, was in it. My mom uh, helped film the show. I had friends that would help do outside stuff of the show. And I always had this part of me that, even though it's my idea, and, and this is where I, I surrounded myself with people who either wanted to help my, my sister is a fellow artist, so she's more in tune to acting and writing and directing, so I knew she would be on board. But when, when it came to my friends, it was, and I, and I felt like this for a long time, ever since school, ever since I first started wanting to do films, is that I would ask, you know, for help if anybody wanted to help do a part or whatever. And you're asking somebody that doesn't really, you know, want to do it or they feel like they have to say yes their acting isn't their thing or they or they don't want to be on camera there, there's so many different angles that you don't think about when you ask somebody hey can you help do this i mean years ago you, you can hear this from your favorite filmmakers they would always say making movies with their friends or whatever i never had anybody a, a lot like that i, I tried to like i guess force my filmmaking on people but i always had this part of me though that even though you know i'm taking their time when it came down to it i would want to pay them i i, I know i wanted to pay them you just you don't have the money you don't you know you don't know what where the show is going to go you don't know what the project what's going to become of the project if you really think about things like you really think well how good of an idea can i have how popular of an idea can i have and if it gets out there, it's going to make a whole lot of money. And yes, I will want to go around and, you know, fully compensate. I've had people that help do the music for the show. Of course, I'd want to pay that guy. I feel there's a part of me that feels like I, I should pay him. Like, I don't even know what the number would be in, in order to pay him a percentage of what we've done so far. The, the, the show hasn't made, you know, we, we are on DVD, so we are getting out there a little more and more. But we're not to the point where I can fully pay somebody. That's that was then. That was the thinking then. Now I'm strictly, you know, doing projects myself, still with little or no money. But there's so many venues out there that say, "Hey, anybody can do this. Anybody can set up a show, just like anybody can set up a podcast like this." So, and, and there's and there's different ways of why people want to do things like this to make money. I'm using this platform obviously to boost my other ideas i have more ideas that i don't want to stay stay to one platform i guess stay in one format you know i just saw a preview of john stewart's show that he's going to do on apple tv and his whole thing you know he jokes about that what happened to his face you know he looks in the mirror and happen, what happens to his face He's like, why did he think about coming back and doing a visual medium? And that is true, you know. And he's like, what? you know, he could have easily done a podcast. And then they have the titles of the show. And then it says, and there will be also a podcast. So I like people like that that have a sense of humor about themselves. That's, what, that's how I felt when I started wanting to do this podcast. I knew people that were doing it. And this podcast is called Some Other Useless Podcast. And I just thought that this is my way of getting out there, and we'll see what becomes of this. And this goes on to the next step. This, this goes on to the next project that could set up the big one, you know. If the next project's not going to be big, it's it's going to be in stages. And hopefully it's going towards a, a, a positive path that can lead me to where I actually get, I actually hire professional talent to help me. But... There's something that you kind of lose 
you know, I've met a lot of actors, and there have been some. There's the ones that I meet that I meet them, and I'm glad that I've met them. But every time I've I've met someone, I've wanted to work with them. I, I have this part of me that wants to collaborate. And then if there is somebody that I want to work with, but I have no idea what I want to do with them, I just feel kind of like I got like a writer's block, and I haven't even written anything yet. But I have these ideas that can't become of anything. But that's me wanting to pay people. You know, I don't have the option of being this. You know, I don't have a career where I am, have this huge, giant, multi-billionaire multi-billion deal with anything that is just this world of creativity everything that i would come up with would instantly turn to gold i'd make money wouldn't even think anything about it so then you think of the companies that do have this power and once again marvel and disney are in the news and i said in a previous show i have to watch what i say because i would like all my favorite actors are with marvel and when it comes down to superhero movies I do have my problems with the Avenger movies. Um, I have I can pick apart different little things, um, and I had been I been hinting at me wanting to talk about that and also tell how Guardians of the Galaxy movies kind of got me back into it because I, I just think that there's an original element to the way something is presented, and Spider-Man is just this ongoing. You know, he's been made three times. And Fantastic Four has been through some stuff. So you have your projects that fail. But these are projects by companies that have money. And they still fail. And they don't care because they make money. They do make some money. You can only think that maybe in, in the long run they have lost a lot of money too. And maybe that might make you feel better about some things. But it seems like any, everything is attached to superhero movies. Uh, Disney and Marvel... And then Warner Brothers and DC Comics. And it's like, why can't there be a studio that lets superheroes have freedom? I mean, the idea of a superhero is these characters that have powers, right? They're, they're all powerful. They are mutants. They are superheroes. They save lives. Why are the companies behind these things doing the exact opposite? And we're going to get into something... One thing is something completely new that I have not heard of, and then uh, another part of this article included something that I had heard of that I also kind of found really interesting. And Marvel, Disney, and lawsuits are going to be so synonymous this whole year. It's going to be it's 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 a wonder that Disney doesn't even own their own court system, where they just like it's almost like the new uh, smoking. You know, all the trials, all of the years of people suing tobacco companies. I think Disney is going to be one of those other companies. They say Walmart is also a big one that people sue every day, different things about Walmart. But I think Disney Marvel is really leading the way. because Disney owns so much. We talked about that. Marvel is a property that is now owned by Disney, but Marvel was attached to several things. So Marvel, if you take them apart for a second... Marvel is made up of artists, okay? Years ago, all these characters that you see are based off comic book characters. And a lot of times when these characters back then were created, there was no TV, there were no movies, there was no idea that whatever they were going to create, they didn't think, or maybe they did, I don't know, that their vision would get out there in a way unlike a comic book because the idea of a comic book is taking your mind to this place you inter I, I never really got into comic books i have a few but that for some reason I, I i never really got into them i get into the movies and then that kind of makes me want to get into the comics because it's almost like when you watch a movie that's based off somebody's real life the first thing you want to know is, well, how much of the movie did they get right? And that's kind of like a comic book movie for some reason. These interpretations of these characters that have existed for all these years, a lot of these characters were around when radio was a big thing, and Batman was a radio show, and he's just 
transitioned into one thing and the other. You know, he became a really successful 60s television show and goes off and is spun off into these movies. And it just goes off into a whole... And, but then you have these artists. Keyword is artist. Are the most essential people to this industry of making the movies. Especially if you're making a comic book movie. These artists will create these characters. They were hired to do these things. And here's where it gets technical. And just as anything, with the uh, the, the strikes that have been over the, the writer strike, of the writers not getting fully compensated, it's kind of like this. Artists will create these characters, these memorable characters, household name characters, you know, Spider-Man. But Spider-Man is a, is a well-known name. Wolverine. Just imagine, a Wolverine is an animal. But nine times out of ten, if somebody says Wolverine, you're going to associate it with an X-Men character. These characters that get into your mind, Professor X, uh, Storm, you know, a basic name like Storm, but within the context of the comic book world, everybody knows, as soon as I say Storm, you know all the different kind of variations you've ever seen of Storm over the years. The long hair, the Halle Berry look. All these different kinds of forms of these characters created by these artists. And what's happening is these artists aren't fully being compensated. And I don't know if you've ever heard of these contests where you can draw a logo. You know, bands will look for a logo. They'll look for... Um, some kind of image that they can use for their campaign. Or maybe, oh, how would you like to draw the cover of a CD? That was so minuscule at the time that people really didn't think about it, what it was. People immediately thought that was a really cool idea. You just think, how cool is it that a band, my fair band, picked my drawing and my drawing is going to be seen? You know, you think of it from the artist perspective. Your work is being seen. That's all you care about. All the band cares about is they got your image, they put it on there, and they're selling them like hotcakes, and they're making crazy money on it. Crazy money. Depending on the band, but let's just take an example of a, of a just think of a popular band that did this in the past. And you you instantly would want to become part of that experience because you thought maybe this might be my foot in the door they know my name imagine doing that back then with no social media reference these days if there's a contest maybe you might have it an easier way to get into the industry because you would win the contest people would know your name and people would know where to follow you they could follow your instagram they'd everybody know hey that guy is the guy who drew the Pink Floyd new reunion CD that's out now, you know? And everybody would uh, associate that image with the person who drew it. But then on the back end of the business world, they're making all this crazy money. But they've already paid. Some contests, the prize is just getting on the cover. Sometimes it's $10,000 and getting on the cover. And that $10,000 covers the rights and that's the fair way if you get an amount like ten thousand dollars that's a that's a really great amount it might be ten times more than you probably should have got maybe i want to say that maybe the average could be around seven hundred thousand dollars i don't i don't really know uh, as an artist to when you sell your rights to whatever i don't i, I wouldn't even know i've never done that and that's just me using examples of, of a band but I guess over the years, Marvel has hired artists all around. This is where it gets into watch what you do. Watch, watch what you create. Be in control of your creation. Like I said, if you want to be the kind of artist that doesn't care about money, you could care less about where this stuff goes. But if you're somebody that also kind of thinks, gosh, that company just really, really milked it, didn't they? They, they took my idea 
And then it may get into where they take your idea, they, they use your idea, you're, you're paid, you're done. Very slim, you would get royalties. I don't think they would do that for the average person. But then just imagine if they, they took that idea and then they would modify the idea and then they would make something out of that and then they wouldn't think that they you, you should be fully compensated because they've created something original out of something that you did for them. So... Over the years, Marvel has hired these artists, and the lawsuit is now about protecting characters like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Oh, well, you know, the trailer just came out for a new Spider-Man movie, and who's in it? Doctor Strange. So right at the get-go, this article makes you think, if this lawsuit goes through, could we lose the movie? No, it's nothing like that at all. In the, in the lawsuits, Mar Marvel is arguing that these were arrangements that they made with the artists at the time. Work for hire arrangements. And the reason why that they have to specify in this in the lawsuits, there's five lawsuits. And these lawsuits are by the heirs of the creators of these comics. So here we go. There's Larry Lieber... I have no idea if I'm saying that right. He's the brother of Stan Lee. And Stan Lee is the co-creator of Thor, Iron Man, and Ant-Man. And then there's also the estates of Steve Ditko, who's credited with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Don Heck, who's credited with Iron Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye. Don Rico, who's credited for Black Widow. And Gene Colan is credited for Captain Marvel, Falcon, and Blade. What it is, is the families of the comic book creators are wanting some of the money. It makes you think that how, you know, you, you don't want to think they're greedy. It's not, I don't think it's about greed. It's all about entitlement. I mean, I don't think that they wanted their family member to die. So they could take over this multi-million dollar estate for whatever character is worth. But the thing is, these guys came up with these characters. Popular characters did not make a lot of money off these characters. That's, that's one problem. There's so many problems to this. But that's one problem is the original artists not getting paid. And because the original artists aren't getting paid, the heirs aren't getting anything. So is anything, should the heirs get the money? Like I said, it's about entitlement. They don't want Marvel to take away something that they feel belongs to them. But under this work-for-hire arrangement, that's what Marvel is trying to get out there. They think that they can override this thing. They're... they're uh, Seeking a, a declaration that they hold the valid copyrights to the disputed characters. I guess there is a copyright act. It's a copyright act of 1976. And heirs are permitted in certain circumstances to terminate the grant of a license or transfer to a copyrighted work, such as a comic book, via a properly executed notice. So that's the law. Okay? And it's almost like Marvel wants to go the loophole way. Where if the law says we have to pay the heirs, Marvel's saying, no, we don't have to pay the heirs because they're not entitled to it. Because the way we hire the artists, they're not entitled to it. That it, It's so... It makes you not want to work for Marvel. But, and I'll get to something else, the technical thing of wanting to be an employee of Disney or Marvel, um, they own you. And you'd have to be okay with that. If you came up with an idea for a character and they bought it, you could be done with. You could create this really, really popular character. Um, I'm being sarcastic, though, but has anybody ever heard of the, Winter, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? It's a show now on Disney+. Plus. Hit show on Disney Plus. And the guy behind it got screwed. 
they, they talk about him in this story too. I heard about this story. There's a guy named Ed Brubaker. And he created a lot of what happens in the Captain America Civil War storylines. He created the character, the Winter Soldier. Popular, popular character. The guy that created the character, and it doesn't say how much money he made, but I guess he was in the Winter Soldier. He has a cameo, and he's either in it, and his line got cut, or he's in it, and his whole scene got cut. I don't really know. I do know his line got cut, but I don't know if he's still in the movie, is what I'm saying. But he doesn't have a line. It got cut. But he still gets residuals from the Screen Actors Guild. He says that he makes more money in residuals than he has made creating the character, the Winter Soldier. Copyrights are very interesting. I'm going to talk more about copyrights because there's, there's more legalities involving copyrights that I would like to further get into later down the road. Because it's always like, well, who had, who had the idea first? These characters, because then you'll, you'll, see, you'll see your characters in your DC world, in your Marvel world, and you go, that looks like so-and-so. Like, there's a character in... And I never knew this. I never knew that there was a character... So there's a DC Comics character called Deathstroke. And I never knew this. That... And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's about ideas infused with other ideas. What is an original idea if somebody's going to take something, modify it, make it their own? Deathstroke is a DC Comics character, and I never knew that Deadpool was kind of like a ripoff of that character. And even so, to the point where Deathstroke's name is Slade Wilson, and Deadpool's name is Wade Winston. So your artist and people who created these characters would do things like this in order to... I mean, that's that's what was out there. That was the culture, the comic book culture. If one character is going to be popular, then your artists were creating other characters that were similar to your competitors. It's almost like once The Walking Dead became a big thing, everybody wanted to start doing zombie stuff. Zombies were popular. Uh, when Twilight came out, vampires were popular. Everything was vampire. That's how art works. Art is derivative. And it just becomes this ongoing thing. So your Marvel creators, your, your artists, who gave life to these characters, they aren't being fully compensated for their work. That's one bad thing. On top of that... Their heirs aren't getting anything because Marvel knows how to play the game to know how not to do that. They wouldn't have known to make sure that they pay the people, nor, nor would they want to. But it just struck me as odd as the guy that said that he makes more money by being in the movie, and he was cut from the movie. That's another odd thing. You can have that. You can have people that get cut from things and still get royalties, I guess. Another interesting fact was um, Marlon Wayans. I love this fact. Marlon Wayans was, I guess, at one time supposed to be Robin. And uh, he, at the last minute, got replaced. But he still gets royalties to this day because of the contract. He signed a contract. And there was a, I, I forget what the dispute was, but he... Obviously, didn't end up get to be Robin, but he does still get royalties. So there's so many different legal things that has to do with contracts, copyrights, you know, your, your different works that you have over the years. So there'll still be a Doctor Strange Spider-Man movie. Oh, yes, there will be. But these people aren't being fully compensated. And even gets down to that... This guy, Mark Toberoff, he's a veteran copyright uh, copyright attorney. He is somebody who has represented Jack Kirby. And Jack Kirby's created a lot of Marvel characters. 
and he says that this is the deep, dark secret of the comic book industry. If not now, the entire entertainment industry, due to the explosion of the superhero franchises. It's about artists' rights. It's literally about injustice. We need superheroes to save these people from the people who are ripping off their ideas for superheroes. If somebody comes with an idea and says, yeah, that's a really great idea, and you, you'll buy the work, and a lot of these studios want to buy a done deal. It's all about money. It's, it's all about money. And Marvel and Disney are crushing people. I mean, I, I don't know what to, f- to feel for these families. There are so many of them out there. Of the comic book world. And it's a lot of money that's floating out there. That's not being circulated right. And you just think... Does that, does that take you out of watching your favorite character? Does that take you out of watching these movies? They had no idea the, the, when they came up with these characters that the intention was to turn these into multi-billionaire franchises. And that's the problem. Because if you were doing that, you take somebody's idea, you give them 700 bucks or whatever it is, maybe you get 10000 I don't know what. But you're not getting anything close to what they're going to make opening weekend. And going back to what I was saying about how is Marvel and Disney not fair to superheroes and how is DC and Warner Brothers not fair to their superheroes. Warner Brothers has their own thing going on. Before the HBO Max thing, they were always tied to, you know, you, you got to see the Snyder Cut. you got to see the... Um, uh, What's his name? David Iyer? You gotta see the David Iyer version of these movies. Because these studios have tight rights on what they do. They, they pigeonhole people. And they want things done a certain way. So Marvel is succeeding in money. DC Comics, I have no idea what they're doing. Because I'm not in that world. My favorite movie is The Dark Knight. Directed by Christopher Nolan, who, in past shows we've talked about, has a problem with streaming. Which is 100% understandable. That's my favorite movie. Yes, my favorite movie is a superhero movie. But not for the reasons you think. It's purely based off acting performances and the way the the storytelling was laid out. It was Christopher Nolan's vision and interpretation of the characters that got me into it. And it's Heath Ledger's performance that just completely rattled me. And on top of it is the year that it was the year he passed away. And when you see him on the screen for the very first time, there's just there's an impact there. So that's my favorite movie. That's my favorite comic book movie. Favorite movie ever, actually. But other than that, I, I never really dabbled into the DC Comics world. I, we watched Wonder Woman. It was okay. I could see why people could get into it. Yes, it was an innovative thing to bring back Wonder Woman. But then you find out there are people who are against casting her as Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, for different reasons. That you wouldn't even think should be associated with anything. And then we watched Man of Steel, and that wasn't too bad. But I never got into the other stuff. The, the Justice Leagues, the uh, Justice League Extended Cuts, the... Uh, suicide squads, the you know, all these different weird things that are telling a story. But DC Comics is just like telling a whole bunch of different weird stories all at once. Both studios are money makers. They just think they put out a product, they'll make money on it. Done deal. If there's any good that comes out of it, like somebody says, hey, that's my favorite movie, congratulations. But you don't think a lot of times about the artists that are involved, the comic book artists, the even the illustrators. The illustrators are just as influential because you'll see different styles in the movies. You go, yeah, this is based off this comic. This is based on this. Like me going back to saying, I never got into comic books, but when I watch the movies, it makes me go back like a real life story, and I want to see the references. I want to see. How close do they get to this? If this is an adaptation or somebody's weird or original 
interpretation. Like, that's why some people actually don't like Christopher Nolan movies. I don't have that view. Because I'm not a comic book fan. You know, when you're watching these movies, I wouldn't know, well, that character shouldn't do that. and that kind of, That's why I don't like this. I don't like the way this is going. It's like I'm going into this as an original story that's being laid out for me. And then later I kind of find out that, okay, maybe that's not so. Maybe he did twist a few things. But for the, the, the Dark Knight, Batman Begins, all that stuff, none of this stuff really you know, got to me of wanting to be mad at Christopher Nolan for doing that to Batman. I don't I don't know what he did to it. I, I do know that starting with Tim Burton's Batman, who's also an artist, illustrator, you know, his drawings are highly influential also. He starts off directing Batman movies. And it just shows the shift of how they wanted to tell the Batman, and then all of a sudden it shifts into really, really super cheesiness. And by the time we get to George Clooney, it's like, should we even be making superhero movies anymore? And at one time, they didn't even think Watchmen could be made because the effects that would be involved with everything. And then you, what, you wait another 10 years, and then Watchmen finally comes out and amazes everybody because of what, for what they did at that point in time. But now, everything was to be told like a graphic novel. And I think that that has something, the, the, the dark to it, the darkness to it. And I think that has a lot to do with Christopher Nolan. Whether you can, you can, uh, you know, go against that and disagree with me, I do think that all these other things now that come out of the, of the DC Comics world, every dark take, every even down probably to the camera angle, uh, and even down to the posters of how these things are shown to everybody, in one way or another, Christopher Nolan has influenced these ideas. And that's what an artist does. But then that's what happens. An artist will make something, somebody else will come around and want to tweak it and kind of make it their own. But, you know, Batman is not Christopher Nolan's. It was the big thing for an independent filmmaker at that time to take on a franchise. When there weren't a whole lot of franchises beginning at that time. The Avengers hadn't started yet. They didn't know what direction. Their, their hawk was still Edward Norton. It took them a few years to figure out what path they should stick to. But when it's all about money and creativity. and Because that, that is what we're talking about. Because in the DC Comics Warner Brother world... They have this control over their directors. And they feel like the, the, the directors feel like their vision isn't getting seen. That's that. Warner Brothers is still going to make money on it, no matter what. Marvel, I don't hear a lot about the visions of, you know, the, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody say, well, you know, let's watch the extended cut of Age of Ultron. Or, I've always wanted to see a much, much longer Ant-Man movie, which I would watch a long Ant-Man movie, but nobody talks about things like that. Why? Is everybody, is, is Disney Marvel just said, no, no, we're not doing any, you know, for one thing, since they're Disney, you can't have, like, the Avengers unrated. You can't have Thor uncensored. You know, Thor, Love and Thunder, uncensored. You just don't have things like that, because it's tied to, and I think it does happen, it, it does had to do with the studios involved. Disney's kind of wanted to go in two different directions. Adult and children. Disney's always been in tune to children. With their kids movies. Hulu had rights to the adult stuff. When the two combined. And Fox owns all these things. And now Disney owns Fox. And all this stuff crosses over. That's how Deadpool is eventually going to be in a Disney movie. Another story I wanted to bring up, which just really, and I hinted at it in another one, another one of these shows, is the Mary Poppins story. Finally watched it uh, not too long ago, Saving Mr. Banks. Got, got it for my mom for Christmas last year. Had to see it. And had to see the tragic story that is Mary Poppins. And it's like the ultimate evidence 
And then, like you say, you got to go back and check to see what's true and what's not. And more than likely, the things and the things that are stretched a little bit, you you can see why they stretched a little bit. But then then you find out the stuff that they leave out that's true. There's a lot of darkness to, to Disney, and they want to paint him in this whole light, like he did something great. Maybe a little over here, there's a reason why he does what he does, but they never really focused on that. You know, he had a father that would do this and do this or whatever, and he felt like some kind of connection to P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins. He felt a connection. He not only felt a connection, he wanted it. He wanted the story. He wanted to make a movie. But he didn't tell it like he didn't say it like that. He 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 wanted he just wanted to. He saw he read a story, his uh, daughter or whoever liked it, and he just wanted he just felt like her work should be read in homes all around the world. How inspirational and influential could that be? Sounds like a great idea, right? Until you find out that Disney did the opposite of what she had wanted. How she visualized her characters. Down to every, every classic moment that you could possibly enjoy about Mary Poppins was something that she did not like. And it's the ultimate, like I said, ultimate evidence that just proves that Disney has this darkness that they don't care. They don't care. They want to own it. They want to control you. It, you know, when you see an article like this that pops up about lawsuits, of course. Another, another lawsuit involving Black Widow, of course. You know, a lawsuit of Black Widow in all forms. Seeing it, seeing it on the screen, downloading it, Reading it in a comic book. I mean, if uh, Scarlett Johansson sues Disney, you think she's going to get money? If the guy who helped actually contribute to the character that she plays is not going to get his money? Or his family is not going to get any of that money? I mean, like I said, if you want to work for Disney and work for Marvel, know your limits. Know what you want to contribute. Don't say... I'd love to work on this show. And then all of a sudden, they love a storyline that you did. Like if you wrote on The Mandalorian. And they love that you came up with this little robot character. This little droid guy. And they just wanted to monetize that. You would get credit for writing the episode. Congratulations. Work for hire. If they would treat it like that. I think it might be a little different, but they wouldn't treat it as work for hire. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't think you would get enough, you wouldn't get enough money, as much money as you would, if you were the one that helmed it. So be in control of your creation. I have Alden's ideas that I know that I don't, I could care less about some of them, but there are some that I do want to own that I know that are mine. And I know the ones that are out there that, I could care less about, and when I say that, when I say I care less about them, that means it's not like, kind of like public domain, I guess, but TikTok is essentially that. It's this, you put it out there. Somebody else can remake what you do. Somebody else can split screen what you do. Somebody else can green screen over what you do. It's just art, divided art, art, and art. They, they call it art, but what it is is crap, garbage. If you watch somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. But occasionally you can, you know, use some of this stuff as educational tools. But there aren't a lot of people on TikTok doing that. So my, my opinions of this is that I don't think that it's fair that they're not giving money. Because the, the, the family should get something. You know, how can you create a legacy? It's not fair... To have Marvel have the legacy of these characters, live out that legacy, make money on it, and then the legacy that belongs to the creators of the characters dwindles. 
you know, becomes nothing. It's like, who, who's that guy in the corner? I, I think that's the guy that came up with Captain Marvel. I don't know. Go ask him. It just, it's just, it's, and it's sad. It, it's really, it's really sad. There was a Jack Kirby case. And a judge ruled that Kirby's work was done at Marvel's instance and expense. And that therefore, Marvel owned the copyright. And this case had a deposition testimony from Stan Lee. And he described that the Marvel method was farming out work to, to various freelance writers and illustrators. Like I said, they didn't know if these things would be billionaire. Billion dollar ideas. Literally. Billion dollar ideas. And Marvel, Disney, wants it. They want it all. And I do not think that it's fair. Even with the point that I brought up about the Scarlett Johansson thing, how can these things, how can these things be? You know, if I were to create a character, but me being a filmmaker, and I have that part of me, I would want to be in control of my creation. So I would watch where I put it. I wouldn't sell it to anybody. And if I did, I would want to make sure that I was in full creative control because the ironies the ironies of these um, filmmakers your Zack Snyder's and your um, David Ayers and stuff they don't own Superman or the Justice League or these characters or the Suicide Squad they don't own them but they are artists who contributed to other artists work and they're not being fully compensated they're also not being their their vision's not fully getting out there it's a whole bunch of things all at once and it doesn't really matter to, to marvel or dc comics warner brothers or disney they're making money they're making crazy money and it's like when is it just gonna stop like seriously think 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 about this the next time you watch a superhero movie and you think about all the people that went into creating the character. There's much more after that. There's the actress. There's the uh, costume designer. Everything else that, get, that got added later. Those things wouldn't be options unless the character was created in a certain form. So Marvel wants to own all this stuff. And you just think if you're if you're a creator out there, if you're an artist out there, watch where you put your ideas. Watch where you put your good ideas. You know, like I was saying about me putting out ideas I could care less about. Have fun with that stuff. But the stuff like you want to be known for, like you you have an idea for a TV show. You have an idea for a movie. You know, watch where you put it because. These studios will look for any loophole they can to make more money than you. I mean, you're, the creator of the Winter Soldier, seriously, can't make enough money? Going back to what I was saying about Guardians of the Galaxy, I did not, I don't think I've ever heard of that uh, comic. If I ever did years ago, I used to collect these toy fairs and wizard magazines. And I want to say I do have some kind of reference of Rocket the Raccoon. Years ago, we're talking early 2000s. I remember, I remember Rocket the Raccoon. I just forget about the Guardians of the Galaxy part. I forget what that, I never knew any of that stuff. So when that movie came out, it was completely new to me. You know, there was nothing else to compare it to. You know, I didn't know any of these characters. Didn't know what a Star-Lord was. Didn't know what a Drax, a Gamora, any of these characters. And the vision from James Gunn that introduced these characters in that way is now, I think, in my opinion, the leading example of your new comic book movies. Because before... Your superhero movies 
would have action. They used to be a lot. They was a lot cheesier. Sorry, Joel Schumacher, but I know I, I know I said my favorite movie the the other show was Phone Booth, but uh, your Batman movies were distinct, but not practical. Um, fun, but not ideal. Um, Tim Burton was fun. I I grew up with Tim Burton movies. The history of those movies are are just fascinating on their all on their own. And there was some kind of humor to them, but you didn't ha- you didn't have your movie references in these movies because it would make no sense for Bruce Wayne to what reference Field of Dreams. I don't know what he would do. So years later, you have Guardians of the Galaxy, where you have these characters. We have a character like Star Lord, who is from Earth, and he has this part of him that can reflect on stuff that you can relate to. Not a lot of characters you can do that with in the movies. You're Tony Stark. You can't relate to Tony Stark. You can't relate to the Incredible Hulk. But on some level, you can kind of relate to Star-Lord because he he grew up with the 80s music and stuff. And, and that kind of makes a whole theme on the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And then after that, your other Marvel movies... Wanted to kind of take that style. They took James Gunn's style. The director from um, Thor Ragnarok, I think, completely took James Gunn's style. I, I forget if I've mentioned this before, but I think that James Gunn started something with Guardians of the Galaxy. And people take it from him in their movies. Their, his, his style. Now they've gotten into gritty, odd superhero things. Like The Boys, which is this adult, full-on adult take on the superhero world. Now I think James Gunn's Suicide Squad kind of mimics that, if that makes sense to you. I have not seen The Boys. I'm just going based off what I've seen. It just looks like that when you go for the R, which ideally, years ago, your superhero movies wanted to do everything they could. If they can make them PG, they'd make them PG. But because they punch people so many times and have guns on them, they have to be PG-13. You don't have NC-17 superhero movies. You never even thought about that. You just go straight to R. Makes sense because you want your characters to get grittier. You want your superheroes to... That's the odd thing about Disney. They're having these characters kill each other. You have death. You have these adult themes in Disney content. It's like what... Disney Plus is eventually going to censor Deadpool, where it's like, I don't even know, like half the movie doesn't even exist. But what I want to get back to is the, 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 the when, you, when you take something like an influencer, James Gunn influenced this whole range of what superhero movies should be. Just as Christopher Nolan took on the dark stuff, turned, not, turned it into this whole logical he made batman logical you know he made it like of all the superheroes out there it could make sense that batman would 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 probably be a thing you can't say that about a lot of the characters i think that christopher nolan really humanized him i think is the best way to say that because your other characters aren't going to be so relatable batman is self-made you know, I think in one of the lines that Ben Affleck utters as Batman, he's sitting there in the car with the Flash, and he says, uh, I, I just see this in previews, he says, uh, the Flash asks him, what's your superpower? And Ben Affleck says, I'm rich. And people wanted to see an extended cut of that, apparently. So you have your different opinions of the stuff that works, the stuff that doesn't work. But what happens when the stuff works and the studios aren't crediting people for their work. It's completely outrageous. So I hope this is an interesting story. It, it had so many different... Once I start talking about copyright stuff, it gets into legalities that completely interest me in a way that I go, there's no way that that could be a thing, especially having the Copyright Act. Why do we have these acts if the people that are supposed to comply with these acts, or doing everything they can to get around it.
why even have the acts? You know, you have your, your, your free speech, you have your uh, right to satire, parody, all these things. But, but when it comes down to it, I don't think people like a lot of the freedoms that they're, they're, they're given. There's no way they can because there's so many problems with them. You say whatever you want. No, you can say whatever you want. Well, I say that you, whatever you say is crap. And I can say that. And you can say it just, it's it just this weird, the law, copyrights, the way the business works. I mean, and it's worked for years. And it's just going to keep on going. It's just going to keep on going if right after you watch an Avengers movie, you're Googling the plot line for the next one. I mean, they gotcha. So I hope this story was fascinating because I, I just wanted to get it out there and kind of give my take on it because it does go with what we've talked about before. Still trying, still waiting on what's happening with Scarlett Johansson. Everybody cross our fingers on that one, right? Actually, let's cross our fingers more on the other people. These these people that are involved with these lawsuits, let, let's get them their money. Let, let's find them some way to at least get something that they're entitled to. Let's not marvel, uh, destroy them, you know? What I say before, we need superheroes to save the people from the, the people who stole the ideas of the superheroes. Not stole, but it's just, it's just, it's just, it feels like stealing. It does feel like stealing. So, lessons to be learned in this. Watch what you put out there as a creator. Be in control of your creation. If you're free, that you go, I made a little doodle on the internet, and I don't care if anybody takes it, great for you. That's, that's really great for you. But if you're somebody that says, that's my doodle, and I want to be known for that doodle, and I appreciate people taking that doodle and doing things with it, or, I don't know. So I, I thank you for listening, and uh, very happy to announce that we are, are now on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on Anchor.fm, we are on Breaker.com, and we are on Google Podcasts. So that's it for now. I'm Richard Wiggum. This has been the Some Other Uses Podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully see you next time. Bye, everybody. You've just been listening to the Some Other Useless Podcast with Richard Wiggum. Now can I have my money?